Father, today, we yield ourselves to the ministry of the Word of God. And we pray, Lord, it would make a huge difference in our life. You would show us Your will and Your way. And Lord, for those that are here today that may have never asked Christ into their heart, I pray today You would speak to them by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. It's good to be here this morning. I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture. Luke chapter 5 and Ephesians 5. Luke 5 and Ephesians 5. I want to talk to you about, uh, uh, and I just stole a hymn uh, uh, title as my title this morning. I didn't didn't steal it, I borrowed it. Uh, And it's, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I'm telling you, more so today than ever before, I embrace the reality of the fact that Jesus Christ uh, is my friend. He's my Lord, He's my Savior, but He's also my friend. In fact, one passage of Scripture, I think it's John 15, He said, I, don't, I no longer call you my servants, I call you my friends. But to get us going today, as you're turning, did you turn to Ephesians 5 and Luke 5 if you didn't find those two places? I want to just read the verses of what a friend we have in Jesus. If I had my guitar and I was a couple of years younger, I I, I might even sing this for you and get my wife up here to sing alto, but I'll spare you that. I'll just read the verses for you today. Here, Here it is. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And then finally the third verse. Are we weak and heavy laden? Cumbered with a load of care. Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. I love those verses. We need to embrace the old hymns of the church. They have great truth in them. And so today I want to talk to you about the friendship we have in Christ Jesus and fact, the fact that uh, we're not trying to get Jesus to be a friend with us. He's trying to get us to be a friend with Him. And so uh, you're in Luke 5 uh, and in Ephesians 6. You hold your place there. I'm going to read a verse from Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 to kick us off this morning. And, it's, and it says this, and He's with His disciples, and it says, He went up on the mountain. And call to him those who he himself wanted. Look at somebody and say, Jesus wants to hang out with you. Tell somebody, Jesus wants to hang out with you. I love that. Jesus called to himself those who he himself wanted. And and they came to him. You see, all we have to do is respond to what Jesus desires of us. And if we'll respond to his invitation... And we respond to what he desires. Guess what? He'll show up. And and they came to him. And now catch this. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. Everyone say be with him. That they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Now, I want you to, I want to show you the glaring priority of relationship 
when it comes to the responsibility of preaching. You know, we all think as a Christian, oh, when you become a Christian, you you got to be a witnesser, you got to knock on doors, and all these new duties you have, you can't do this and you got to do that. You got you can't go here and you have to go there. You can't go this, you can't do that, but you got to do this, you got to do that. That's not what Christianity is all about, my friend. Understand something about Christianity. It's primarily a relationship with Jesus Christ. And from that sparks and spawns a new level of responsibility that we all have. But you can't get to the responsibility until you've built the relationship. Are you with me? Say amen. And so notice what Jesus did. He brought them, he called them to himself. He wanted to be them, he be with them. He said that they might be with him. In other words, I want to build a relationship with you. That's where it all begins right now. I want to ask you right up front today, where do you stand in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Because he just wants to hang out with you. He wants to be friends with you. And from that friendship becomes there there is a from that relationship of friendship become comes a responsibility that we all have. How many of you know genuine? and relationships all have a responsibility and so that's the reality today and I want to just ask you to ponder and think as I'm sharing with you today where do you stand in your relationship with Jesus Christ in fact I'm here to tell you I believe the invitation that Jesus gave to these 12 and gave to his is available for us he wants to meet us if you will on the mountain and we'll play like we're on a mountain in fact did you know that the root meaning of Beaumont is beautiful mountain I don't know who or what they were thinking or what they were smoking. I just see some old settler going, this is a beautiful mountain. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't get that. But let's pretend we're, uh, Jesus is inviting us to the mountain. He wants to spend time with us. In fact, he, uh, he, the Bible says he called them. That's, that's not just, hey, you want to hang out on the mountain. It was like, it's, it, it's a deeper word than that. It's, it's like a holy convocation. It's like an official gathering together for a specific purpose. And listen, God's calling you to the mountain for a specific purpose. And the primary purpose that He has for you is to build relationship with you. And, and, and understand this, uh, if, if there's no relationship, there can be no responsibility. In fact, that's why a lot of people who call themselves Christians don't take any responsibility for their actions and take any responsibility for what they do they directly disobey God's word and think it's okay somehow and they do this and they do that and they expect God to bless it and the reality is it's because they don't really have a relationship with Jesus in fact Michael told me this the other day when we were talking about them transitioning into children's ministry and he said this he said studies have proved that that there's no real learning there's no real teaching accomplished unless you first have a relationship with your teacher and he said we're doing it all kind of wrong because we're rotating teachers in and out because we don't want to burn anybody out and he said Lyric and I have a burden in our heart for our children and we want to jump in there every Sunday and every Wednesday so they can build a relationship with us and learn to trust us and, and believe what we have to say and then they can begin to learn and grow and I thought, man, that's awesome. Then I looked at Scripture. Jesus had that all figured out already. Because he knew he needed followers. He knew he needed people to pass on the Word of God. And he said, but where it begins is relationship with Jesus Christ. To become a friend of Jesus and Him show Himself friendly to us. It's all about relationships. And when you study the life of Jesus, you know that He related to the masses for sure. 
But then he had a smaller increments of people that he interacted with. He had the 70 and, and then he had the 12, the 12 that we read about here. And even in the 12, he had three that he did, he did more with and interacted with more than the other 12. And in that three, he had one that was his confidant brother and you may call it his best friend and his name was John. You say, Jesus had best friends? Oh, absolutely. He had levels of relationship. And in all those levels, he endeavored to reach out and show himself friendly and interact with others and build relationship with them. And when you study the Scripture, in fact, when Jesus taught us in Matthew 6 to pray, everyone say, when you pray. You remember that? It's called the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. You've probably quoted it before. Our Father, which art in heaven, how to be done in the kingdom, come and we will be done on earth, and give us a dare daily bread. Because our death, we forget every leaves, and not temptation, deliver from evil, and kingdom, and glory forever. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the way we used to pray it in football. You get football huddled, and before the football, you'd all pray that prayer and then bang heads and try to kill somebody. I didn't understand the parallel, the correlation there, but that's just where we did that. Then I realized this is a model prayer. This is an outline, and, and catch the beginning of it. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way, and catch the, the, the beginning part. Our Father. Our, uh, what? Our, everybody say, Our Father. That's relationship. He said, man, when you pray and talk to God, you need to realize you have a relationship as a fa- like a father to his son. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Look, give somebody a fist bump and say, it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. It really is. And when God looked down, when God began to think about how to, how to bring humanity back in right relationship with God and how he could best express how much he loved. You see, God wanted to, to do something on planet earth to best express and give a visual picture of how he loves us and how we are to love him back. You know what he did? Beverly's the only one that answered. I, I'm going to start over because I think some of you might have missed what I just said. When God looked down and he decided to, uh, you know, I need to figure out a way to get God and man back into right relationship. And what can I do to develop a picture so the humanity can see how much I love them and how much he, uh, we are to love him back? You know what he did? He built a family. And that family is a picture of how is supposed to be a picture. That's why the devil is running roughshod over families. It's supposed to be a picture for the world of how much we love God and He loves us back. And so He loves us so much. And in fact, He said, let me tell you, let me give you an illustration. Are you in, are you in Luke 5? Hold your place in Luke 5. All right, and then go to Ephesians 5. Go over there. Ephesians 5. Did I tell you to go there? Ephesians, Philippians, look, let me just show you this. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the what? And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. And I'll stop right there. You get the parallel. He said, man, relationship, the marriage relationship is a picture of how much God loves the church and the church loves God back. Are you with me? If you're with me, say, I'm with you, Pastor. And so he built, a, he built a family. Now let, let me just ask you about relationship. Let me tell you about, hey, let me, let me ask you about marriage. 
And I think I know who's going to... Marriage is a relational commitment, correct? You see, some of you when, you, when you read that Ephesians 5 passage, wives, submit to your own husbands and everything, you, <laughs> you get all huffed up about that. But the reality is it's based on relationship. Let me just tell you something. When you build a real relationship with Jesus, it, 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 there's no problem with submission because you know he has your best interest at heart. And when you're, when you're interacting in the family and your husband loves you like Christ loves the church, you, you, you have nothing to worry about. Now, uh, I think I know the answer. Who's, who here has been married less than a year? Raise your hand. Oh, I knew it was Ryan and Morgan. I'm sorry, Ryan and Morgan, but I, I figured that would be the case. Uh, Ryan and Morgan have been married not too long. They're newlyweds. In fact, Ryan and I were talking on the phone yesterday, the day before. He, he said, man, this marriage stuff is the bomb diggity. He did say that, something along those lines. He was just thrilled. I don't know if he's just trying to brag to the pastor or what, but man, he was excited. And I was there at the, at the wedding, and it was just a beautiful experience. But let's just play. And it's a commitment, right? It's a commitment. And it's not a 50-50 commitment. You know, when they had their wedding ceremonies, they didn't say, I'll love you if you love me back. They didn't say, you know, if you do your part, I'll do my part. It's 50-50. You ever heard that? It's 50-50, man. Well, marriage is not 50-50. Look at your neighbor and go, marriage ain't 50-50. It's not 50-50. What is it? It's 100-100. It's 100% of me committed to 100% of you. It's 100% of you committed to 100% of me. Now, let's just play a, let's just play a word. Let's play, la-da. Is that the marriage? Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. And then when they leave, it's something different, right? Da-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na. And then after that's all over, where do they go? Y'all are really slow this morning. <laughs> when all of that hubbub is over, where do they go? Honeymoon. honeymoon. Everybody say, whoo, glory to God. The honeymoon. Let's just say that. Let's play like that. Here, here they, they're all over. Da, 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 da. They go off. They head off. And, and, and as they're going out and, and, and the honeymoon's all planned, Ryan looks at Morgan and says, I'm sorry. Uh. I'll be back in about four hours. I have a date. Not. Everybody say not. Not in this life. That's a good way to get a black eye. And much more. It's ludicrous, is it not? It makes no sense, does it? It makes no sense. Because once you say, I do, and you're married, it is a commitment. Everybody say a commitment. Not a commitment to a bunch of things, but a commitment to one thing. This one thing. My, in fact, it says, leave your mother. Hey, we got, it's me and thee for it now and forever. Forever and ever. Somebody say forever and ever. Amen. And so marriage is a commitment. And understand something about marriage. It's a picture of Christ in the church. And our relationship with Jesus is the same level of commitment. But it amazes me. I said it amazes me how many Christians look at Jesus basically with their actions and say, I'm sorry, I have a date. I have other commitments, you see. 
And you only get up. And, and here's our world. Here's our life. It's one big piece. It's one big pie. And, and we think, well, I'm going to give my family this much pie. I'm going to give my business this much pie. I'm going to give my fishing this much pie. And I'm going to give church this much pie. And oh, everybody's got a little pie. But how many of you know something when it comes to Jesus? He doesn't want a part of your pie. He wants the whole pie. Because he died for you and he made a big commitment and he said, I love you like Christ. Hey, this, you're married. I'll be back. You said, don't fret, Jesus. I'll be back. I've got an appointment with this, that, and the other. I got other lovers in my life and, and other issues in my life and I, I, I'll give you your fair shake. Everybody say not. But understand something, and that, and when people do that, when people cut up their world like that, and they parcel their world out into different places, and then they give, they try to give Jesus. Oh, we're going, and we, and don't we feel so good? I went to church, I went to church, put twenty bucks in the pot, amen. Even bought a kid's VBS shirt. I feel good about life. And then we go do what we want to do. How many of you know? Just like Morgan standing there, it ain't happening. We got to get something perfectly clear. This is a relationship. And so, Luke 5, are you ready, Luke 5? You got that? I wanted you to get that picture because we'll go back to it. Luke 5, the disciples, this is where it began. This is where Jesus invited at least four of his disciples to follow him. And began to build a relationship with them. You remember the, the Mark 3. He said the first thing he did. He just wanted to be with them. And we're going to marry that verse. And that understanding with Luke 5. And if you've been around here long. You know I hang out at Luke 5 some. It's when Jesus met Peter. Uh, uh, and, 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 and let me just get them all. I think Peter. There's at least four. Uh, we'll read through this. And you might find all their names. Here we go. Yeah down at the bottom. James and John. Uh, and Simon. So here we go. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of the Lord that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. That's the Sea of Galilee. And I, let me just ask, anybody ever been to the Sea of Galilee? I know Ryan has. Ryan, raise your hand. We ate fish in the Sea of Galilee. All right. Anybody else? You've been there. Oh man. Y'all get to go? That's awesome. Man, there's nothing like, in fact, I took my wife. I'm going to get distracted. But man, to see my wife see the places where Jesus walked and all that stuff is just awesome. If you can ever, if you can ever, you know, pull it off, it's worth every penny to go and, and there's, something spe- there's something special there. And so, uh, so Jesus was by the sea and we've been there. In fact, uh, he, in, uh, right close to where this actually happened. And it says, he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, you get the picture, get the picture. There's, there's a multitude of people out there. And, and in fact, this, this area where this happened, it's like a natural amphitheater. He got out in the boat and that helped amplify his voice. And so he was able to speak to thousands. And when he's over, when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, everyone say Master. Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word. Everybody say, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. 
And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat. Oh, pardon me. And when they had done this, verse 6, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were breaking. So, pardon me. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Everyone say, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. Other gospels say, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all. Everyone say, Forsook all. And followed him. J- James and his brother John and Simon at least. In a miracle moment. A supernatural moment of provision. And interaction with Jesus Christ. And an invitation by him to follow them. An invitation. Now you remember what, why did he bring them with him? He wanted to be with them. And then as a, as a result of that relationship, they would then be able to pick up a responsibility of carrying the gospel to all the world. Let me just pause and reiterate. I got a feeling the reason we're not too effective in carrying the gospel to the whole world is because we don't really have a real strong, healthy relationship with him in the first place. He's not really our friend. He may be our Savior, but we've not spent enough time with Him for Him to be our friend. And the first thing we saw when Jesus looked at His disciples and He brought them onto the mountain, He said, the first thing I want you to know, I just want to be with you. I want to build a relationship with you. I want to be your friend. Are you with me? Say amen. And so from this Luke 5 passage, I want to show you some things that are real commitments because it's a commitment marriage is a commitment right I said marriage is a commitment right it's a hundred hundred and and it's a picture of how we are to be committed to Christ in fact let me I just want to you know they're parallels if you have a hard time committing to your spouse you're certainly going to have a hard time committing to your Lord if you have a hard time committing to your Lord, I didn't say your marriage is not going to work very well either. And so it's all intertwined and it's all intermingled. And so our commitment to Christ must be so real. It must be a hundred, hundred. In fact, we live in a world that is, has a cultural commitment crisis. Our culture has a commitment crisis. People don't want to commit to anything. What used to be easy for people to say yes to is now hard to say yes to. Uh, and so people are hesitant to be committed. But let me tell you where you cannot hesitate. You cannot hesitate with Jesus because if you hesitate with him, he'll leave you and head on down the road because he interacted with people throughout scripture and they'd say we want to follow you Jesus but let us first go tend to our family let us first we, we got we got a big piece of pie we got to take care of here and so when we can take care of all this other pie then we'll give you whatever pie Jesus said hey let the dead bury the dead you, hey if you if you're not all in I, I don't need you on this team because I'm looking for people who are all in who are 100% committed to the cause of Christ on planet earth I'm, I'm, for, I'm hunting for people who say yes to me and say 
I do. You know, I, I faintly remember, I don't remember all that uh, Glenn's daddy actually performed their ceremony, and so uh, I couldn't remember all the, uh, you know, what they call the vows. But I, I remember hearing uh, uh, Ryan go, I do. I, hear, remember, I, I remember hearing Morgan go, I do. What were they saying? I'm all in. I'm committed to the cause. And so let me show you some commitments of a real relationship with Jesus Christ from Luke 5 and Ephesians 5. Number one, uh, it's a commitment of leaving. You notice what they did in verse 14 after they interacted with the Christ and they accepted the invitation to be with Him and to follow Him and build relationship with Him. They forsook everything else. They forsook their boats. They laid them aside. And they, and they in fact, you know what they laid aside? Two net-breaking, boat-sinking loads. I guess they handed it off to family and friends. We don't know. But their finest hour in business, they let go and let God have His way. And they forsook all and began to follow follow him. Let me tell you something. If you've got a lot of pieces of pie in your life, if you've got uh, uh, unhealthy, unholy, or unnecessary things that are hindering your 100% commitment to Jesus Christ, there comes a time. If you're really going to be his friend, you've got to forsake the other things and follow him. It's a leaving. It's a commitment of leaving. In fact, if you read Ephesians 5 verse 31, for this reason... A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. It's a commitment of what we call leaving and cleaving. Listen, when you give your life to Christ, it's not just getting fire insurance for eternity. It's a change of who's in charge. It's a change of what you're following. And repentance means a 180 degree turn. I was going this way and now I'm going that way. I'm following Jesus and I'm leaving behind the past. I'm dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. And the old statement, you can't have your cake and eat it too, is really true. You can't, in fact, I say this all the time. If you've been here very long, you've heard me say it. People do everything they want to do. They go here, they go there, they do this, they do that. And then at the end of the day, they expect God to bless it. God bless my mess. No, it's a turning, it's a leaving. It's a leaving and a cleaving. And just as it was ludicrous for us to think about Ryan looking at his newly wed bride, you know, just a few hours old, to say, uh, yeah, hey, we'll do this honeymoon thing, but first, I got a date. I committed to it a few, few, uh, few weeks ago, and, 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 and I got this date. And when I get back, uh, we'll just pick up where we left off. That's ludicrous. And it's ludicrous of us to look at Jesus and go, hey, I'll give you part of my life, but i got all these other things going on. No, there is, a, there is a commitment of leaving in order to have a healthy, holy, righteous relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of you know one of the commandments says, I am the Lord thy God, you'll have no other gods, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Are you with me? Say amen. It's a commitment of leaving. Following Jesus. And building a real relationship with him, it's a commitment of leaving. In fact, Jesus said this in Luke 14, 25-33. He talked about commitment, and he said to his disciples, whoever does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. 
Whoever forsake, if you can't forsake what you have, you can't be my disciple. If you're not willing to leave it and let it go, then you can't follow Jesus. You can't hang on to the past and expect God to give you his future. You can't hang on to the old life and expect God to give you a new life. If you're with me, go, that's right, pastor. It's really true. It's a commitment of leaving. And these disciples got it. James and John and Peter, they got it. They forsook all and they followed him. Number two. A real relationship with Jesus is not just a commitment of leaving, but it's a commitment of learning. Now, what did Jesus do with the disciples and all the others in their hearing? What was he doing? He, he said, Peter, I'm going to borrow your boat. I'm going to get your boat. Let me tell you something. One thing, one of the first steps of building a relationship with Jesus Christ, let him into your boat. You know, some of us think, well, one day I'm going to get in his boat. I'm going to go get in his boat. No, he wants to get in your boat. He wants to get in your life. And, and I said this at, at camp. I will say it again. It's old here, but it worked there. He wants to be a nosy pepper in your life. Anybody here not know what a nosy pepper is? Uh, does everybody know what a nosy pepper is? If you don't know what a nosy pepper is, lift your hand. I need to know if this is even going to work. Okay, I knew I had a few. A nosy pepper is somebody that gets jalapeno business. And Jesus got in his boat. And as we see from this story, he got jalapeno business. He got in Peter's business. He got, he got all up into his world. But what was he doing? He was teaching the Word of God. Now, we don't know what he was teaching. I would have loved to have a transcript. I'd love to have a recording, a video session. Uh, you know, maybe he, maybe if, if, you know, gosh, I wish I would have known what all he was saying. But somehow what he was saying was in piercing uh, uh, Peter's heart and John and James' heart. And, and they were soaking it all in. Listen, when you let Jesus get in your boat and start talking, man, I'm telling you, things began to change. And the Word of God, the Bible says, is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword in it. Pierces into our heart and divides between soul and spirit. When you open yourself up to the Word of God, somebody here this morning needs to hear what I'm saying because it's not just old preacher Sam. It's the Word of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. And when you let that Word uh, uh, pierce your heart, you begin to grow spiritually. And these disciples, in fact, uh, he said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And, and he, he birthed within them the heart of a disciple. In fact, the very word disciple means follower and learner. Listen, receivers are not learners. Most people are just, give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. Bless me, Jesus. Bless me, Jesus. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Fish and bread, fish and bread. Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Give me more. Give me more. But listen, we've got a real relationship with Jesus. It's, it's, it's learning and growing spiritually. And that's what these disciples yielded themselves to do. They began to follow Jesus. They began to learn. And Jesus was speaking the word of the Lord. And it stirred something on the inside of them. And they began to grow. And they realized, man, following Jesus is important. In fact, did you know when you go back to Ephesians, that husbands and wives, it, talks, it says husbands, 
Build a relationship with your wife and basically here's what it says. Bring the Word of God into that relationship and let the Word of God wash you and cleanse you and make you whole and make you healthy and make you wealthy, make you wise. Bring the Word of God into the home and grow spiritually. Let me make this statement to you. Spiritual growth is not accidental. Or maybe I'll say this. Spiritual growth is not organic it's not accidental it's intentional you see Peter and James and John when they heard the word of the Lord and it pierced their hearts they turned from what they were doing and learning in fact they weren't learning very well because they had fished all night and caught nothing they weren't even very good fishermen and with this invitation They got the parallel. Man, he'll make me fishers of men. I'll make an eternal difference in the world. I don't have to smell like fish anymore. I can smell like people. I can interact with people. And I can make a big difference in the world. I want to follow him and learn and grow. And they put themselves on a spiritual growth track. And they began to grow spiritually. There were bumps along the way. But they began to grow. Listen, following Jesus and being in a right relationship with Jesus requires you to be committed not only to leave and cleave, but to learn and grow and it must be intentional on our part have you ever heard anybody say something like this well if I follow Jesus uh, do I have to read my Bible you ever heard that you ever thought that well if I follow Jesus because see we're all we're all indoctrinated to the thought that following Jesus is not a relationship it's a religious duty let me dispel that right now. It's a real relationship with Jesus. And if you've got a real relationship with Jesus, let me ask you this. If you, if you married someone and they said, oh, by the way, I wrote a book all about me over the course of my life. If you want to know who I am, you can read the book. How many of you guys would go, ah, nah, I don't worry then. Here's a book. It tells all about me. It tells all about my history. It tells about all my, and it tells about our history too. It tells about, it's prophetic about our future. You want to read, ah, nah, nah, I don't worry that. Do I have to read that? You see, if you ever find yourself at a place where you say, do I have to read my Bible? You really don't have a relationship with Jesus. Because if you had a relationship with Him, you'd want to know all about Him. You'd want to grow spiritually, become more in tune to Him. Well, do I have to pray? Do I have to pray? Do I have to spend time in prayer? Oh, man, I've got things to do. i got a big piece of pie here. i got things to do. Place to go people see. Do I have to pray? No, you don't have to pray. You get to pray. You get to spend time with Him on the mountain. And learn from Him and grow spiritually and become more like Him day by day. Do I have to go to church? Do I always have to go to church? Pastor, I think that's a little religion. I think that's a little, you know, you're getting in, you know, when you tell me I need to be in church, I, I don't know. Do I have to be in church? No, you don't have to be in church. You get to come to church. Because it's a relationship. Being committed to Christ. It's a commitment of leaving. It's a commitment of learning. When you look at Peter, you know he was learning something. And he caught something there on that first rattle out of the box. Because you see what he said. When Jesus said, oh, oh by the way, this is the end. This is his, this is his sermon conclusion. This is his illustration uh, to, 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 to cap off whatever he was saying. He said, oh, by the way, Peter, if you'll just launch out. In fact, it was, you know, while they were washing their nets, fishing time was over. They went out at night and caught fish with their nets. The fish come up shallower and they could throw their nets. And 
They had done that and caught nothing. And Jesus said, let out it's, it's, your nets. Let out your boat. Let down your nets for a catch. Peter, his brain started going, uh, hmm, that don't sound right. But what did he say? Nevertheless, at your word. In other words, because you said it, I'm going to do it. Not because it made any sense to me. Not because it made any sense to my normal understanding of fishing. But something I've caught on here in the last little while. While you've been hanging out in my boat and talking and preaching and teaching the Word of God. I've been, something's been going on in me. And I've chosen to believe that you're telling me the truth today. And, 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 and he, in fact, he called him teacher. He understood he was a great teacher. He said, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to let down my nets for a catch. Listen, he was open to the word of God and it pierced his heart and it changed his life and because he said yes to the word of God he applied the word of God and a miracle happened that day and God used it to put him into the full time place of ministry that he had for him to go at some point he was committed to learn and grow Hebrews says this I believe it's Hebrews 6 the first the last part of the first part he said by this time you ought to be teachers By now, you ought to be teaching others. But you're still baby Christians. And all you can take is the milk and not the meat. Because you're not not growing spiritually. By this time, you ought to be teachers. In other words, you ought to be growing spiritually, but you've come to need milk and not, uh, and not the meat of God's Word. And you're like, <laughs> and you're so needy because you're just, we're just babies and we're not growing spiritually. It's time to grow up in our relationship with Christ. It's a commitment of leaving. It's a commitment of learning. Growing. Then number three, it's a commitment of letting. Letting Jesus have the liberty to be the Lord and the leader of your life. You see, a follower is exactly that. He follows and does not lead. Jesus' words were, follow me. Everybody say, follow me. Again, I said it earlier, but I'll say it again. Most of us are trying to get Jesus to follow us around and bless our mess. It don't work that way. In fact, he said, if you don't want to come this way, if you don't want to do this, well, then that's okay. In fact, there was one point in John 6 where he kept preaching hard words and, and people left him. It says they, could, they couldn't understand. It was too deep for them. He said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. They couldn't get what he was talking about. And they said, oh, this is a hard saying. And it says from that day, many of them left him. And he looked at the ragged few and he said to them, are you going to leave me also? And Peter says, where on earth can we go? Only you have the words of life. You're the one in charge here. I'm following you. You remember my dream I had a few weeks ago? If you don't remember, it was crazy. It was, I knew it was God speaking to me. I was preaching in a generic setting. I didn't know where I was, but I was just preaching. And I preached for a few seconds and I said, Jesus is in charge. I'd preach for a few more seconds and I'd say, and you know, Jesus is in charge. I'd preach for a little bit more and, and, and I'd say, Jesus is in charge. And I woke up, man, I was just, whew, in the middle of the night, I'm going, my Lord, have mercy, what's going on? And I just heard, Jesus is in charge. 
You see, following Jesus and becoming a disciple of His and, and, and building a relationship with Him is about letting Him be the Lord and the leader and the master and the one in charge of your life, the leader of your life. In fact, if you go back to Ephesians 5, this is where a lot of people get hung up. Wives, submit to yourself, yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For as the, as the Lord is head of the church, so the husband is head of the family. And oh, no. Now, hey, listen. When, when there's relationship going on, when there's real relationship, there's no issue here. There's no problem here. When you trust one another, there's no problem. It's a picture of Christ in the church. Husbands are supposed to love their wives like Christ loves the church. That means lay your life down. And, and wives, submit yourselves. Submit yourself to your husbands as unto the Lord. Hey, it's a picture of how we submit ourselves to the Lord. Let me ask you this, guys. How much of her life is your wife supposed to submit to you? Nobody wants to answer that question. I'm going to say it again. I'm just talking about the Bible. How much of her life is she supposed to submit to you as the leader and the head of your home? 50-50? No, not 50-50. It's 100-100. Because you remember, husbands, you're to be 100% committed to Christ. The problem your wife may have is because you got your relationship messed up with God, so she's a little apprehensive. Are you with me? But in our hearts, wives, ladies, it's 100 100. That's all of me. I give all of myself to you. To death do us part. I'm letting you be the head, and I'm the wife. We're going to get this together. Hey, did you know that all the Bible's true and righteous altogether? It's a picture of how we all are to be submitted to the Lord. I love what Peter does here in this Luke 5. He first calls him master. Luke 5, he says, master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. That means teacher. And then after the net breaking boat sink and load. Peter had heard the word of the Lord and then he saw a manifestation of God by the supernatural provision. And he fell down on his knees. And I'm sure he was, I mean, just overwhelmed that Jesus had gotten in his boat. And he was convicted of who he was. And he said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, oh, who? Lord. And just two or three verses, he went from a good teacher to Lord. Someone you bow before. And that word Lord means supernatural, supreme authority. At some point in your life, if you're really ever going to have more than some religious relationship with Jesus, you've got to come to the place where you bow before Him and you say, you, you are Lord. You're Lord of all. I'm committed to let you be in charge. I'm not in charge. I, use all, I always used to want to be in charge. I found out it's not always all it's cracked up to be. I just want him to be in charge of my life. And I know if he's in charge of my life, my wife won't have a problem one saying, honey, I trust you. 
You're the head of the home. I know because I trust you. I have a relationship with you. It's a commitment of leaving. It's a commitment of learning. It's a commitment of letting him be in charge. And number four, it's a commitment of loving. Oh, when you read through the red and how Jesus interacted with these disciples. The first thing, the priority of his life was to build a relationship of love with these guys. He just wanted to be with them. Are there people in your life you just enjoy hanging out with? You just don't want to be with them. I just want to be with you. Matthew 22 is the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. and Love your neighbor as yourself. In every marriage, there's bumps. There's rocky roads. There's testing of commitment. And in your relationship with Jesus, there's always a test of where you stand in your relationship with Christ. And as you know in the story of Simon Peter who began to follow Jesus and Began to grow spiritually. He had some bumps and some rocky roads. In fact, one time he told the Lord that you'll, you're not going to die. We don't want you to die. And he got up all in Jesus' face. And Jesus loved him so much he said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> he called Peter the devil. Then in a few verses later, he, he had a moment of real revelation where he said, who do men say that I am? And someone said, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets. Some say this, some say that. But he said, who do you say that we are? And Peter, he said, well, you're the Christ. The son of the living God. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Because of this revelation that you have of who I am, on this rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You got it right. And then we know in the test of all tests, when Jesus was crucified, Peter boldly declared, I'll never forsake you. I'll never deny you. And in a moment of his glitch of relationship and he denied the Lord, went out and wept bitterly, broken, busted, and disgusted. And the resurrected Christ, listen to this, the resurrected Christ walks back into his life and finds him back at the Sea of Galilee. He maybe, maybe he got his boats out of hock, I don't know, you know, he went back to his dad or, okay, our little tryst is over. It's back to the grindstone. It's back to the same old, same old. I blew it and I messed up. And, and I blew it with my relationship with Jesus. And all of a sudden, and they see on the shore the resurrected Christ. And he says this. This is so cool. This is how it all began. And this is how it all completed with Simon. If y'all will just 
Let out your nets on the other side. You'll catch a big load. Simon looked. He said, what did he say there the first day he met him by the sea? He said, Lord. Three, three years later, he's been through a few bumps in his relationship with Jesus. He looks on the seashore and said, it is the Lord. And he jumps out of the boat. This man was starving for a relationship that he had lost because of a stupid mistake. Jesus fixed some breakfast. From the fish they caught. Then he turns around to Simon. And all he says, Simon, do you love me? He didn't say, Simon, are you, have, you, have you learned your lesson yet? He didn't say, Simon, have you figured out how you blew it so badly? Simon, have you paid your dues yet? Have you, have, you, have you told all these other guys who followed you back to the fishing hole, who you led astray as well, have you, have you repented before them and got right with them? Have you told them how mad you messed up? No, he didn't say that. He just said, Simon, I just want to know if you love me. And if you know anything about the Greek word there of love, he, he used the word agape, which means God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus said, Simon, do you agape me? Do you love me the way you're supposed to love me? Peter said, no. I phileo you, which means brotherly love. Philadelphia got it. Three times Jesus asked him, do you... Do you, or two times I think agape me, no, no. And I think the third time Jesus said, well, do you phileo me? He said, I do. Basically, all Jesus was saying, that's where we can start. Let's get this relationship back on track. Because I need you to feed my sheep. There is responsibility. But we got to get relationship right. Before we can ever fulfill responsibility. What a friend. We have in Jesus. Let's bow before the Lord. Jesus we bow our hearts before you. And on friend day. We invite you into our boat. 
we invite you into our life. And Lord, we want to be able to commit ourselves to you. Commit to love you. Commit to let you be Lord. Commit to learn all we need to learn to grow spiritually and to commit ourselves to leaving whatever we need to leave in order to cleave to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as I said just a few moments ago, I believe there may be someone here that's never really given their life to Jesus. Never really let him be the Lord and the leader of their life. So with that in mind today, as we finish up Friend Day, I want to ask you, if you died today, and none of us know that we don't know our future, but if you died today, do you have a certainty and a confidence that you would go to heaven? If you have a question mark now that you're in the right place, if you have an absolute understanding that Jesus is the Lord and the leader of your life and you have a confidence that you're going to heaven, that's awesome. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm just not sure and I want to get that straight today. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are and say, that's me, Pastor. I just want to know for sure that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Anyone here? Anybody? I'm going to wait just a moment. You can say, Pastor, I just want to know for sure that I am His and He is mine. Anyone? Finally today, if you're kind of like Simon, and you've been religious and you've messed up, you know you haven't built a healthy and strong enough relationship with Jesus to follow through with your commitment. And today, you want to meet Him as your friend. Once again, I hear the invitation of Jesus to say, hey, I just want you to come with me. I want to be with you. Do you love me? If you've had a little bumpy, rocky road in your relationship with Christ, and today you want to get on track, just lift your hand wherever you are. Say, that's me. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's stand up today. Father, today we come to you. We thank you for loving us. I want everyone in this room, as we close, just to say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. For loving me even when I was unlovely, even when I was dead and my trespasses and sin you loved me and sent your son God to die for me Lord I know you want to spend time with us and build relationship with us we do have great responsibility Lord but it's born out of relationship and Lord I pray our relationship with you would grow and prosper and be healthy and everyone in this room would begin this day to begin to Commit themselves to leaving whatever they need to leave behind. There's somebody here, you've been following after other lovers. I have to just be honest, and it's taken you nowhere. 
It'll hurt. It'll take you further than you want to go, make you pay more than you ever wanted to pay, and make you stay longer than you ever wanted to stay. It's time we just leave and cleave to Him. I'm leaving this lifestyle. I'm leaving this, this other lover. I'm leaving this, this, this other God that I'm serving, whether it's the gods of money, self, sex, all those things. I'm leaving those behind, and I'm cleaving to You, Lord. It's time to leave and cleave. It's time to learn. Let Him be Lord. Loving Him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and all our strength. The invitation is open just to be with Him. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen.